question. What is a bridge? I mean, the essence of a bridge. What makes something a bridge? Okay, and when you think of a bridge, think of one. What is it? Like a concrete structure that connects two ends? Well, we know that the material doesn't define it as a bridge because there are metal bridge, wooden bridges, rope bridges. You can think of so many bridges. Okay, so is it when... Uh, you know, something divided by water is connected by this structure. It's not that either because when you can, you know, it can be over air, it could be over water. It's a gap, right? Inaccessible. So is it the connection that holds what a bridge is? Well, I'm not sure about that either because let's say you have a river and you have two banks on each side and you're trying to get across and there are few stones and someone chucks a bunch of stones in bang 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 and you can kind of skip across this bridge this makeshift bridge that's still a bridge no think about think about how once you the concept of a bridge okay the concept once you know the concept of a bridge so when you're young you get taught this is a bridge and you understand the concept of you show you only need to be shown one bridge as soon as you understand the concept of a bridge all of a sudden you can recognize every other bridge out there you know that's a bridge you know that's a bridge you're not confused with something that looks like a bridge that isn't actually a bridge like you can tell if there's a toy bridge and not be confused that that is a bridge so what is the concept of the bridge where does that live? With the bridge? If I destroyed the, every bridge in the world, you would still know what the concept of a bridge is. Right? Anyway, I'm gonna leave that question there for, for, for a second. Just something to ponder about a little bit before we get into today's episode. So welcome to uh, the Sario Dev Show, Engineering IRL. If you're new to the show, then you'll know uh, then I'll just letting you know that this show basically is about um, teaching you the engineer, teaching you about engineering, the engineering mindset, and how to apply it to real life. So, <clears throat> thinking about today's topic, um, basically what we're going to cover today is how to invent a new solution. How do I come up with solutions from scratch? Because typically. Um, <clears throat> And what I had gone through in episode two is with the 10 steps to problem solving is kind of a, um, from a troubleshooting mindset. Okay. And what, what, what today we'll focus on a little more is the, uh, um, how to, how to invent a solution. How do you come up with a solution from scratch? Okay. So. For me, uh, what I would say is there's only a few steps involved for you to get better at this, okay? Depending what you're inventing, there could be thousands of steps, but how to get better at it, how to recognize it, well, really there's only maybe three main steps to improve. So the first thing that you need to think about, uh, well, the first step is basically learn how to solve problems, as many possible. If you're new to the uh, problem-solving game, for a, if you're a new engineer, 
you need to learn how to actually solve problems. Known ones, known problems. What are the solutions out there for X? What are the problems that people have in my field? You'll learn that from experience. This is why uh, experience is king. There's only so much. You learn tools and techniques in, the, in, in your studies. But at the end of the day, once you get into the field that you're in, and this is regardless of your engineering um, discipline, you will learn the problems, the lingo, and the issues, especially the common ones that come up um, that need to be solved. And you'll find that different people, just because a problem is solved once, it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be solved again for someone else. Okay, so you need to get really good at problem solving. It's kind of like this concept thing that I was talking about at the beginning. Um, how, how do I even problem solve? How do I even start fixing some of these customers' problems? You learn a few known ones, you detect the patterns once you start talking uh, to, to, to a customer, a client, about their the scenario they're trying to resolve. And then you realize, okay, I know how to fix this. And you just attach it to, can my solution that I know of address these problems? However, however big or small. <clears throat> now, firstly, yes, learn how to solve problems in the first place. There, there is an art to it, there's a concept to it. And not every problem, just learn to solve known ones. Okay? And get really good at it. Next step. Uh, start to learn how you, at least from a conceptual level, how you would solve other fields' problems, other people's problems, other disciplines' problems. What kind of problems do they have? And see what kind of solutions get applied. How is it similar to the solutions you may have applied? Because you only have limited knowledge now. You know how to solve problems in general now. Okay? And, and you might just think of a random, like, unrelated field and, they, and then there's a problem that they have and think about how you would solve that with your known bag of tricks. And anyway, all this does is expand your mindset to other problems, okay? And other solutions that have nothing to do with the field that you never would have thought of because you weren't learning that field. You weren't learning the problems of that field. Okay, I'm talking about like art, like learn how an artist solves the problem of I don't know, the next piece or the next material or the next color that he will use, he or she will use. Right? How does the next, how does the uh, car designers think of, uh, solve the problem of, you know, their next generation car? If you're not in cars, obviously. Okay, but go wide. Okay. Now, step three is where you start to try and use, let's call it inspiration from some of these solutions that you've learned that have been used for other things, so con concepts in the past, and how you could possibly apply it to the known problems of your field. The types of problems you normally solve in step one, okay, those known problems and those known solutions that you used in step one, how could we use in theory or what is the similarities of 
in solutions from these other industries that are completely unrelated to ours? What are some of the essences of their solutions that we could apply to our problem? Okay. So these are three main steps to focus on. <clears throat> these are the three main steps to focus on. Um, to, to get better at uh, pro uh, problem solving and and what will happen is you will start to recognize when one of these solutions don't match okay so when you're at step three technically you're already starting to get to this invent a solution from scratch uh, scenario because although that's a known solution somewhere else we've never technically done this solution in this field for this type of problem before Boom, how do you make that call? There's a risk there. You're saying to everyone, this will fix it because of something I've seen somewhere else, but I've never proven it here. How do you get the experience? How do you get the knowledge to say, yeah, but this should work here and have the confidence that when, when, everyone's, when all eyes are on you because of this new solution, that it's gonna work? Well, the long story short is you really don't. <laughs> you don't know, you don't know the future. If you knew the future, then obviously you probably wouldn't have this problem in the first place. But what, what needs to happen <clears throat> with your own convictions around uh, applying these solutions, because you're so comfortable with, with, with what you know does work, and you're so comfortable and confident in the concepts, because you know they work for other areas, if you can synthesize your problem to match, then in theory it should work. Obviously you can never say 100% it will work, but if you can get a 80% confidence, 90% confidence with a plan B, a really, really bad plan B solution, that's where you weigh up and you'll find out, hey, this risk is kind of worth it. Because now that you've, so this is, this is where I keep saying like solutions are easy. It's all about answering the right, finding the right question. There are multiple solutions to a problem. It's just that the other ones may not be feasible. So you, so you need to come up with a B plan that sucks. Like it can really suck. <laughs> but then you have a baseline to measure against. Hey, we have this 80%, 90% risk that I'm pretty sure this thing will work. And it'll mean everything can go ahead exactly as we planned. If it doesn't work, plan B is we do this other way that'll take twice as long, twice as ugly, and have half the functionality. No one is gonna sit there and go 80, 90% chance, you know what, let's go straight for plan B. No one. It's gonna be worth the risk at that point. And if it doesn't work, there's some lessons for you to be learned because the re if, if you ever have one of those scenarios where it should work, like it should work, you're gonna learn, if it doesn't work, you're gonna learn something that's gonna be locked into your knowledge forever. That's the, this is a professional knowledge. This is a pro tip that this won't work because of X or Y or Z. You'll know the specifics. So you start to level up your professional knowledge at worst case. And if it does work, now that's a good feeling. That is a good feeling. This is why we're engineers. All right, so that's how you do it. That's how you get better. Now, 
like I said, you found this a niche or you found a situation where a solution from somewhere else that usually solves another problem would be used for this scenario. So that's one thing. It's almost like a, you got inspired from an existing solution. It's still innovative. It's still uh, creative. You thought outside the box. Good. Tick, 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 tick. Happy. Now there is one other scenario where you really need to invent something from scratch. And that's only if you have your goal really defined. You don't want to reinvent the wheel, typically. Sometimes you have to, okay, but you really don't want to. And the way you know this is because you know all your known patterns, you know all the existing outside solutions, and there is a gap. And this happens. This is where the biggest innovations happen, those gaps. Now these gaps might have been filled conceptually by someone in their cave thinking about it, maybe, but that doesn't matter, that's not public domain knowledge. The fact that you're starting to recognize these gaps and think of what are the solutions for that gap, that's when you can really invent a solution from scratch, especially when the need is right in that gap. Right in that gap. Now a lot of the times you'll do this thing where you'll go, okay, this is the gap. I think if you had the combination of these five solutions and the combination of those two from that topic and you had them together in one, that would be the money. Well, look up, you've got a new frame of reference now, you've got a new question. Now you need to research that gap. Really research it because a lot of the time there is something that meets it. Or a lot of the time the gap that you found isn't actually that important. <laughs> You gotta research it. Don't be afraid, do the step. Don't think you've come up with some invention, some solution, you wanna search it because it's gonna increase the searches of your keywords and someone else might find it that way. It's not gonna work like that. That's the first thing. Second thing, there's so many ideas out there. Most people don't do anything about it anyway, so you'll be fine. Okay, so that's how you get to it. Start coming up with these things, start coming, coming up with these ideas. It's because you know the concept of how to solve the problems. You know the concepts of how other problems are solved. And once you come up with, once you recognize a gap, then you come up with your own concept. And then you try to make it. Try to make it is the, the key part. Maybe, let's say you come up with something, your company may, may or may not fund it or whatever, but, um, you can do it at home, you can develop the idea at home. You probably can't sell it ever, but this is you getting better at uh, inventing solutions when necessary and proving you can and the lessons you get from it. You remember my uh, the previous podcast about uh, one project or many kind of covers why you should pursue it. This is how you find those projects. Maybe you're inventing something from scratch. All right. <clears throat> kind of cool. So, last thing is, I'm going to bring you back to, just for a second, back to the question at the beginning. What is the essence of a thing? What is a concept and where does it live? Now, that's something for you to think about because that kind of thinking comes from uh, basically the inventor of logic itself. His name is Aristotle from like three, 400 BC. So that's, you know, like two over 2000 years ago knowledge, a 
human like you, 2,000 years ago, you think about how old, okay, like your parents or your grandparents, like how dumb do they seem when it comes to the internet or your current issues? Like they just don't get it. They're lost. And you can go back generation, generation, generation like that over and over and every generation thinks the previous one like won't get the concepts of the new one. And then you go all the way back to this guy and he's inventing logic. He's got concepts and answers to things that are still a common question today. So you should definitely look him up, especially if you're an engineer, the inventor of logic, okay? Now, to, to help you think about how to solve problems, okay? Um, you have to look at his works because essentially he, uh, there's two things you need to try to get from his works. One is um, classification, the ability to classify. So you have now collected all this information for your problem solving, okay? He found all this data, all this data, all this data. What do I do with it? How do I an analyze this? How do I turn this into meaning? Well, firstly, what you do with that data is you find, you find the patterns. So exactly what I was describing before, these four solutions are the most popular because they answer X, Y, Z. But these two, although less popular, actually do the function the best, the most efficiently. But maybe they're not as good because they're not marketed, or maybe they don't look as good, or they haven't built to the UX or UI out. So what's the answer? You take those three, you take those two, you put them together, and what do you get? Pattern recognition, classification, bundle all the problems together, bundle all the solutions, but done, bundle the data points in ways that, be, that can let you recognize patterns. Okay? And the second part of that um, is, um, he liked to define, Aristotle that is, liked to define um, axioms. What are, your, what are your known truths? Start from that. You need to have either assumptions or known truths set out at the beginning in order to have any form of progression or log uh, logical progress. What are your if statements? What is your one equals one for your scenario? Okay, when you do all of that, think about it, everything that uh, these, these mindsets are doing is essentially um, setting you up for definitely thinking outside of the box to come up with an answer. It's actually creative. It's actually creative. Contrary to to popular belief, creativity can come from as a uh, like a manifestation of logic. Okay, you can be a logic-minded person and be creative. You can be an engineer and be creative. In fact, the best engineers are the most creative. All right. With that being said, I'm gonna wrap up the episode. Um, I'll go further into this uh, engineers, creative engineers, and why you logic people have the potential to be the most creative people. I truly believe that. It's not left brain, right brain. It's not, I'm logical thinker, so I can't think outside the box. That's absolutely not true. We'll go through that in a future episode, and I'll cover maybe one of the Renaissance men uh, that, that makes that 
proves it. Okay, his works prove it. All right, so hopefully you got some value out of this episode. I really enjoyed it. It's actually uh, I'm on a uh, a craze of looking at engineers of the past and uh, logic itself and and all these kind of things. So hopefully I can bring some of that to you and you go. You know what? Let me look up this dude or this guy or this girl or this engineer and let me find out the history and learn lessons from the history that already exists from humans that already went through my same problems. All right. Uh, so thanks for listening. Like always, uh, you can head over to the Facebook page, um, Engineer I- just search Engineering IRL. Join the conversation, join the group, um, and put questions there, or head over to uh, sariodev.com. And if you know any of your engineer friends out there that uh, could use some useful advice, uh, send them over here. Always welcome, always happy to have more, uh, more people to learn. So uh, thanks again for listening.